You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. On hand to give a hand are the president, his wife, and baseball's commissioner, Bowie Kuhn. sets the style for the early part of the game. Pitching dominates. Welcome to this special edition of Reason the Political Gap. We had, as I have told you in some of the other shows, some time left over. And I thought it would be fun to take a look at Richard Nixon, the sports fan. That was one of his biggest uh, delights. And, uh, and he was always involved in baseball and football. And, uh, you know, as the taping system proved, you shouldn't tape every utterance. And uh, we opened with uh, uh, President Nixon trying to watch a Dallas Cowboy-Washington Redskin football game. And uh, so we, we picked up a couple of things we put together. Uh, he did some interviews with, with the California Angels when he was living in California and the New York Mets. And at one point, he talks to a sports writer uh, at the White House and goes through his opinions of the greatest baseball player uh, players, his all-star team. And then we have him, uh, he very famously gave uh, a play to George Allen. And uh, we have a, a phone call between George Allen and President Nixon uh, where he's they're talking football. And... I don't know. This is, this is a fun show. And so we uh, thought we'd put these together for you and and uh, let you have fun at Richard Nixon, the sports fan. And this is him with the California Angels Radio. And what's great about this particular clip is that you get just a couple of minutes of president, a couple seconds of President Nixon uh, before they go on. And it's pretty funny. Radio is so much easier than television. That's more challenging in a lot of ways. Yeah, yes, that's right. You have to create the pictures. Yeah, the television, they have all the numbers on there. You paint it by the numbers. Here we have to create it. Yeah, yeah, and you read from the idiot board and all that sort of thing. Of course, you don't do that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Nixon, welcome to Anaheim Stadium. Well, I'm delighted to be here again, and I remember that the last time I was here was the 1973 opening day, and I hope it's a good omen because that day I remember Nolan Ryan pitched, 
Uh, the Angels won 3-2, to two, and Frank Robinson playing his first game for the Angels, as you may remember, hit one over the left field wall. So, uh, And it was against Kansas City with Busby pitching. Your memory is very good. Oh, I remember that game. I, rem- I don't see many games in person, but I hear a lot of them on radio. And I want to say that you and your crew from KMPC, you have the ability to create the picture of the game, which you're unable to see, but you create it by words. And so uh, many times late at night, when particularly when the Angels are at home, why have I listened in? I know all your ads. Uh, you don't mind it when Drysdale and uh, Enberg get a little silly at times. No, I think it's just great, particularly <laughs> when you advertise about going up to Portland and Seattle and you talk about circling, uh, uh, about the necessity to circle when you go to the airport and you don't have to do it if you go out to Ontario and you, and, uh, and you say to Drysdale, it must remind you of those days when you used to watch McCovey circle the bases. <laughs> That'll be enough of that. <laughs> Let's go back to another time you were here. I recall, uh, you visited Anaheim Stadium in the late 1960s, and you sat through a hot, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon game, and went extra innings with then the Washington Senators. Uh, do you recall the outcome of that game? I don't recall the outcome of the game, but I could predict probably that the Washington Senators lost. Uh, I must say, though, that when I saw the Washington Senators play in Washington when I was vice president, uh, I used to go to quite a few games. I didn't have to have much security in those days, and... I saw them several times, particularly in 1959, and on seven different occasions, they won every game. Uh, I then went to Moscow for a meeting with Khrushchev. When I came back, they'd lost eight straight games, and there was a huge crowd at the airport when I came back, and among those, right at the bottom of the steps, were several Washington senators. Harmon Killebrew came up, and I said, what's wrong? He said, we need you back. I went back to the next game, and the next game they won. Well, maybe you are a good omen. Mr. Autry has picked the right time to have you visit the stadium. The Angels could use some runs. Well, they'll get the runs. I think that what we have here is a situation where uh, no team is breaking it open. Uh, I think the next uh, two weeks before the All-Star break will tell us a great deal. If the Angels can go into the All-Star break uh, no less than four games behind, and hopefully even better, uh, they have a shot because then Lansford will be back. I trust that Ryan will be back. Uh, Rudy will be getting his swing uh, going again, getting off of that right foot and following through, which I don't think he's doing at the present time. Of course, I am an expert on that sort of thing. Never <laughs> That's what makes this game so great. That's right. Everybody's an expert. We can tell uh, other people what to do. Although, let me say this about Rudy. Despite the fact he isn't hitting that well, he's done exceptionally well in the field, and he has saved runs, and with his ability to throw... Uh, there are those who don't score who otherwise would. So he saved some runs, even though he hasn't driven them in as he did uh, last year before he was injured. I still think he's the glue that's going to keep this team together if he can just get that old swing back again. We're chatting with the right-hander Richard M. Nixon, the former president of the United States. I want to ask you about your all-time Major League All-Star team. We'll be right back as Angel Warm-Up resumes in just a moment. Anaheim Stadium greets former President Richard M. Nixon for tonight's opener of the homestand, the Angels and the Kansas City Royals. I recall, I believe it was 1969, the All-Star Game was hosted by Washington. And if memory serves me, you were the first president to invite the Major League All-Stars into the White House. As a matter of fact, Dick, it was uh, one of the finest occasions we ever had at the uh, uh, White House. And there were many fine ones uh, and will be in the future as well. But on that occasion, we had all of the members of the teams, both teams, 
we had all of the Hall of Famers who were there. And in addition, we had the widows of those who had been in the Hall of Fame. And many of them made great impressions on me. Uh, you know, it's uh, really great to meet celebrities. And I met so many of these people for the first time. Maury Wills, for example, was there. Ted Williams, uh, all the greats, Hank Aaron. But the one that impressed me the most was uh, Mrs. Lou Gehrig. Uh, I've always thought Lou Gehrig of, was one of the greatest. I guess we all do. Uh, because he was great when he played, and he was great in the way that he faced up to great adversity and saw it through. And Eleanor, his wife, is a wonderful lady. How about your old, I think at that time someone asked you, or maybe it was around that moment in 1969, they said, well, how about you if you picked as a fan your all-time Major League Baseball team? Can you run down, and I know you haven't had a chance to prepare for these questions, but let me ask you, first base, is there a name that comes to mind? Uh, well, at first base, uh, you could put any number of people. Uh, I would say that uh, if uh, you were to have Babe Ruth play in first base, uh, and of course he could play any, he could either play first base. He did later in his career after he had played in the outfield. Uh, I'd put him there because he could hit so well. Uh, uh, going on around the horn, uh, thinking of various players. Uh, I can think of a shortstop that uh, didn't occur to you, and it's because I went to high school with him down in Fullerton, Archie Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Archie Vaughn of the old Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, many times we forget that shortstops can hit. Uh, of course, Joe Cronin could hit, but Archie Vaughn led the American League when he was playing for Pittsburgh at 380 one year, and he was one of those. I listened to your program the other night when you mentioned that he was one of six players who hit two home runs in one All-Star game. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and while he was not supposed to be a great fielder, uh, many of the experts noted that he got to many balls that many shortstops would never reach, and that was not taken into account in determining what a fine fielder he really was. Now, this great drama of the, of the baseball game itself, as you look at it with your eye, what is it that fascinates you about the game of baseball, and where do you see yourself uh, if you were to play one of those positions? What, where, where would you want to be? Well, I wouldn't want to be the catcher. Uh, I've always found it very difficult when I go to Texas to get down on that squat. But Texas isn't the thing we should mention tonight, incidentally, I guess, after what happened over no. the last four days. Uh, but I think that the, the toughest position to play is the catcher. Uh, I think, uh, incidentally, of the catchers I've seen over the years, uh, I would have to rate Bill Dickey as being one of the best I happen to have seen him. Uh, I, and speaking also of other catchers, uh, we look back to Gabby Hartnett, who was again a catcher who could not only catch but hit. Uh, another one who ought to be in the Hall of Fame, Lombardi of the old Cincinnati Reds. Uh, these are catchers that could hit. Uh, I guess Thurman Munson at the present time would have to rate very, very high. Uh, I wish we had him out here. But let me say, the Angel catchers... Uh, I think have uh, turned out pretty well. Downing came here primarily because they thought he could hit a little better. Uh, but uh, the way he's been throwing down to second, uh, I think he's uh, coming along extremely well. You mentioned, incidentally, the players that I would pick. Uh, I would say first, the greatest hitter I ever saw was Ted Williams. Uh, I say that because when they put on the, Will the Williams switch, uh, you know, they left left field completely open. Uh, Williams, you know, who could hit a ball any place, refused to hit out to left field. Uh, he continued to hit to right field because he believed like uh, Lombardi, the football coach, played to their strength. And while they'd have all the fielders out there, he'd hit right to them and through them uh, because he just wasn't going to be 
uh, bowled over by the fact that they were playing him that way. We have uh, 30 seconds. That's your hitter, your favorite hitter, and happens to be mine as well. How about pitcher? Well, I'd have to say uh, uh, Sandy Koufax. Uh, I, I had the privilege of being in Yankee Stadium uh, when Sandy Koufax broke the strikeout record in the World Series game. And I'll never forget that on the last out, uh, the it, when he was going to uh, either make the strikeout record or not make it, uh, that a roller was hit down the third baseline. It just trickled along, trickled around. I stood up with everybody in the crowd screaming, roll out, roll out. It just trickled over the line, and then the next one was a strike. He'd broken the record, and we all just went bananas. <laughs> with that in mind, would it be an imposition for you to use my punctuation mark in sports and finish this uh, this conversation as if the Angels had just hit a home run and you give it the oh my? <laughs> all I can say is this, that... Uh, why don't I give you the commercial? All right. No, no, don't do that now because we're not sure it'll go to the right sponsor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as far as the commercial are concerned, uh, I think the one that I like the best, uh, I like that little uh, bit that you have, uh, Ernie and George. I've learned an awful lot about what you could do about baseball. I like the one about Continental Airlines. I like the one about Budweiser, although I don't much care for beer at a baseball game. Uh, but the one I think is the favorite is baseball, hot dogs, uh, apple apple pie, which I do not eat, and Chevrolet. You're, uh, you're making a lot of people very uh, happy, Mr. <laughs> Nixon. We welcome you to Anaheim Stadium, and we hope you enjoy the game tonight. Well, thank you, and thank you very much, you and uh, also uh, your colleagues who have done such a good job. And when the Angels do not televise many games, I hope they televise more later, uh, thank you for, through words, letting us who hear it on radio feel that we're really seeing the game. It's a great art. It's almost a lost art, but you fellas still have it. And good luck whether you're on radio, television, or looking at the game, as I hope to in a few minutes. Well, thank you, and we'll pass that along to Big Don Drysdale. Our guest has been the former president of the United States, Richard M. Nixon, here at the Big A, enjoying tonight's opener of this homestand, and we'll continue with Angel Warm-Up in just a moment. Now, President Nixon liked to pull for the home team wherever he was at. So when he was in California, he was an Anaheim uh, uh, the California Angels fan, and when he moved to New York, he became a Mets fan. Welcome back to Shea Stadium. I'm Fran Healy, and this is the New York Mets postgame show, and we got an interesting show. My guest is former President Richard Nixon, I guess one of the biggest baseball fans in this country. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Mr. President, and I've got to ask you, I know as President of the United States, if you're going to Missouri, you got to like Kansas City. If you're going to Minnesota, you have to like the Twins. What's your favorite club? My favorite club is always the home team. I'm for the Mets and for the Yankees both, but I have a soft spot in my heart also for the Angels because I was out there, and I want to see Gene Autry win one. He's not going to do it this year. It looks like the Twins in the Western Division, I think. And how about the Mets here in New York? Well, the Mets, uh, after tonight, are one and a half back, and uh, certainly they've got a very good shot, but, you know, we've all been watching the Cardinals. You've got to watch Montreal That's right. because they're coming right along. It's going to be a great finish. How about the excitement generated tonight up until the sixth inning? It wasn't much excitement. And all of a sudden, Darryl Strawberry's yeah. long home run. Well, I've got to give a little credit first to uh, the captain. Keith Hernandez, you know, got the second hit, the first hit of the inning. And then Darryl Strawberry tied the score. And another thing I want to say, let's give a little credit to Barry, uh, Gary Carter. You know, I thought it was really bad when the fans booed him because this guy's playing hurt. You as a catcher know it's the toughest position to play. And I was so glad to see him come through. Three hits, drove in a run, and so forth. Because he's a fine catcher, handles those pitchers. So 
Here's one for Carter, too. And, Mr. President, you've been watching baseball for many, many years. Have you ever seen a guy consistently hit the ball as far as Daryl Strawberry has been doing it this year? It's the most exciting thing to watch him. Uh, he gets up there. Uh, they used to say that it was exciting when Babe Ruth struck out. Uh, it was exciting when Reggie Jackson struck out. It isn't quite that way yet with Daryl, but believe me, when he hits one, I notice that when you announce the game, you say, it's gone the minute he hits the ball. With others, you wait. Like Mookie tonight, you wait a little while before you thought it was out. With Daryl, there was no question, except the second one, I think, was a little closer. But the first one was such a towering, beautiful shot. Who was the best baseball player? First up, is baseball your favorite sport? Well, baseball and baseball season. Okay. I like football, too. But I would say year in and year out, baseball because you can see it and hear it every day and on television you can get it every day here in new york did you have one favorite baseball player hard to say anybody that was a favorite uh looking back over the years i remember particularly of course the great new york teams uh i remember too the the, the great teams in philadelphia that connie mack had uh it's hard to pick out one i think i think of the exciting players i'd have to say reggie of our time reggie jackson I mean, it, when he got up there, I mean, it was either a home run, a strikeout, but whatever he did, it was sent the fans really into ecstasy. Now, as far as uh, the best player you've ever seen? The best player I've ever seen? Uh, well, let me say at the present time, looking at the Mets, I would pick Hernandez. Hernandez, he hits well. He doesn't hit that many home runs, but he hits for average, as we know. But we've got to remember that fielding is defense, just like in football. Defense is just as important as offense. And Hernandez saves so many runs. Uh, you, if it's anywhere in the neighborhood, Hernandez gets it. Uh, I would say overall I would pick him as the best player in the Mets team. Mr. President, as I mentioned, you've been a big baseball fan. I recall reading, and I, I, I could be wrong, that you said... You're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you're right. No, I really can't. Uh, I recall reading that when you were president of the United States, you said the only other job that you would consider would be commissioner of baseball. Is that was that something I read? Or am well, I? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, after I was defeated for president the first time in 1960, uh, I was approached by some of the Yankee people as to the possibility of my being considered for uh, commissioner of baseball. And let me tell you, it was very tempting at that time. After. It was, it was time to change careers. <laughs> uh, but uh, I would say the next best job I would like, though, would be yours. Yeah. Or to be a writer. <laughs> I mean, to, to travel with the teams, to be able to talk about the game, to uh, follow it, to get to know the players. I think that's got to be the greatest job in the world. Okay, now we go. When you're in the White House. of how much you're paid. <laughs> uh, they treat yeah. us well. That's uh, good. Too well sometimes. I've got to ask you, when you were in the White House and you had to go over to throw out the first ball, did you get excited about that? Oh, yes. But I just didn't go to throw out the first ball. You know, when I was vice president, Mrs. Nixon likes the game, too, and our daughters did. And many times we went to Griffith Stadium. And believe me, you got to be a baseball fan if you were for the Washington Senators. <laughs> and uh, we used to go there all that time and throw out the ball. Uh, Eisenhower went on occasion, but not always. Uh, and I, I thought it was a great privilege to throw it out, but what I prefer to do is to go, not there as a celebrity, to throw out the ball and get the cheers or the boos or whatever that a politician gets, but I like to be in the stands, to be there with the people. Like, for example, here at New York Mets, I got a friend, Bob Atmoff, has got a marvelous box, 
and I'm always invited to stay there. But I prefer to sit right out there in the stands where you get the feel of the game. You do not really appreciate a baseball game sitting in a box. You've got to sit in there with the fans. A few years ago, I did a ball game on Sports Channel. It was a Yankee game, and it was the 4th of July, and David Getty threw no hitter. Mel Allen and I were doing a game. I believe you were at the ballpark. I was there. You know, and let me say, I had a hole-in-one in golf once, and I was playing with some people who had played all their lives. They said they not only had never had one, they'd never been with somebody when they had it. And to be there for a no-hitter, it was an exciting day. Is that the only one you've been there in person? Oh, absolutely. I've never done I've never seen one even on television. But it was a great uh, experience, and I was really surprised when George Steinbrenner <laughs> made him a reliever. Uh, so was he, I believe. He was, too, and uh, we'll have to see what the Yankees do next year. I've got to ask you, looking over the history of all the presidents of the United States, if you were to take nine and put them on the field, who would you put at first base? To play first base, a former president. To play first base. Yeah. I mean, George Washington obviously couldn't move. He'd be too slow. So we'd have to put somebody else at first base. As a matter of fact, one who was uh, very interested in baseball, strangely enough, was Woodrow Wilson. We always think of Wilson, you know, as being the great intellectual. Uh, as he was, you know, president of Princeton and the rest, uh, but he knew the game. An another g very good athlete was Dwight Eisenhower. Put him at second base. Uh, Eisenhower could have played second, but I think he would be better as an outfielder. All right, we'll put him in the outfield. All right, we'll fine. Bat him clean. Who would you put at shortstop? Oh, I don't think, well, you have to go back earlier. M maybe Madison. He was very short. <laughs> okay. Now, Abe Lincoln, can we put him any place? I mean, you can't have a guy with the beard on the team. Yes. Uh, Lincoln, I imagine would not have been a particularly good athlete. He was very strong. You know, we remember his being, of course, the woodchopper and all the rest. Uh, but he would obviously be an outfielder. Maybe he's a designated hitter. Okay, now how about... In the, in the American League. All right. Okay, how about a pitcher? Oh, let's see. Who would be the best pitcher? Uh, maybe Theodore Roosevelt. You know, he's, uh, he's a leader type. He would get up there and he'd stomp around the mound. And uh, particularly, I think he would be the best pitcher as a reliever. He would frighten them to death. Okay, so we get, we get some, some good, good guys in the team. I, I know you have to leave. i got to ask you one more question because I'm quite disturbed at the situation. Over in Russia, they're saying that they invented the game of baseball. I mean, is there anything we can do about that? Well, you know, they, they claim to have invented a lot of things. <laughs> uh, and as far as baseball is concerned, however, I would like to see them take it up seriously. Because as we know from the Olympics, uh, leaving out what their political philosophy is, uh, the Russians are great people, and they are great athletes. And I would like to see the time come when underneath the Russians have baseball, the Chinese have baseball, the Japanese have baseball. We have an SST supersonic plane that flies it. We have really a World Series in which the whole world plays. Mr. President, I want to thank you very much for joining me on the Post Game Show. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I wish I had your job. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. Somebody might be listening. My guest has been former President of the United States, Richard Nixon. When we come back, we're going to talk to one of his favorite players, Daryl Strawberry. So stay with us. This next clip, President Nixon is going to talk about his all-time all-star baseball team. But it has another touching story about being reached out to by Lou Gehrig's widow, and uh, and it's uh, I thought a pretty good pretty good story about uh, courage and and, uh, and bravery, as, as he likes to point out that uh, Lou Gehrig he thought considering how ill he was, um, 
was one of the bravest players. And he talks about another baseball player. He talks about another baseball player who had tuberculosis, which is what his brother died of. And so this is a good, good conversation. This is Clarence Evans of the White House talking with President Nixon. Uh, Mr. President, the other day I asked you a baseball question and we were interrupted. I asked you to name the greatest players in baseball. Can you tell me how you arrived at your conclusions? Well, first I found out that uh, trying to answer your question, if you recall, I said, yes, I'd be glad to give it to you. It was about as hard a task as I'd ever undertaken. Uh, to select a team of nine was just too hard for me to do. So what happened was that Sunday after this conference on Thursday, I was on Camp David with David Eisenhower, who's a great baseball fan, and uh, we took off some of the record books and the rest. We decided to start in the year 1925, which was the year when I was 12 years old, and first began to read sports pages and follow baseball. And we took it out to the present time, and we broke it down to the post-war period and the pre-war period, and picked National League and American League teams for both periods. But then I found it was hard to even pick nine there, and so I agreed to pick the team rather than just the best nine. Uh, a team always carries two catchers, at least, so I picked two catchers for each game. A team always carries at least five pitchers, more than five pitchers, but I picked five starting pitchers and one reliever for each game, and actually the manager. I, I still didn't get in all the people that I thought were great, uh, but uh, I did pick the stars that I either had seen in person, or that I had seen on television, or that I had followed in the sports pages. So consequently, if I've let somebody off, and I'm sure I have let somebody off, it's because I didn't have them follow them. Uh, as it was, it was one of the most enjoyable things I've done because we had a fine rain with that afternoon at Camp David. We couldn't go outside. So we poured over these uh, numbers and these uh, names and uh, all the fascinating stories of the great men in baseball uh, for two or three hours. And then after that, I dictated it in the dictaphone, dictated the story that I'm giving to you, which you're welcome to use. I have it here, and it's absolutely a fascinating list. There is one category, Mr. President, that you included, and you addressed yourself to the most courageous baseball player. Well, the most courageous baseball player, it's got to be Gary. Of course, his courage has been made immortal by the motion picture about him, which brings tears to your eyes even when you see it the second time, and I have seen it twice. And uh, that, also that wonderful scene at Yankee Stadium when he played his last game, except uh, that uh, he, uh, this was the greatest moment of his life, and the whole stadium virtually broke down in tears. Uh, First baseman Lou Gehrig hung up an amazing mark by playing in 2130 consecutive games. Then a fatal disease attacked baseball's Iron Man. In Yankee Stadium, touched to tears by the tribute, Gary made his last public appearance. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. When you look around, wouldn't you consider it privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking man as a standing in uniform 
in this ballpark today. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. Also, I have another connection with Blue Barry. I'm very proud of his wife, writes me from time to time. And I made a very hard decision with regard to the uh, war in Vietnam. Uh, she wrote a letter and said that she admired the courage that I had in the I'm not trying to talk about saying that, but it was to have Mrs. Lou Gehrig uh, write a note of that sort of to me, kind of a great deal to me. Oh, the I other one, of course, that I, uh, the, other, the other one I did add in my story that, that, that appealed to me a great deal was Red Shanks, because of that storm of modern time. There was a great second basement. Uh, tuberculosis had been struck him down, and yet he came back to play again, of course, to manage that meant a great deal to me because uh, my older brother died of tuberculosis when I was in uh, uh, my second year of college. And he had it for five years, and so that left a mark on my family and on our family. And uh, to see a man get tuberculosis and then come back and play again in the big leagues, I thought demonstrated courage at its highest. Now, there are many other courageous things in baseball, but uh, it's in, in my own memory, Gary. You have time one more question, Mr. Sure. Uh, as America's number one sports fan, is there one event, one moment, which to you is most exciting in all the sports events that you've seen over the years? Well, let me limit it first to baseball, because uh, if I go back to football, then I think of last quarter passes and all that sort of thing, and I uh, really haven't had time to collect my thoughts. Uh, but in terms of baseball, uh, I think perhaps the event that was the most exciting was one that I did not see in person, uh, but one that I did follow, of course, through the communications people. Uh, and uh, that was the home run uh, in which the Pirates uh, won the World Series in the seventh game. Uh, by uh, 
think it's the Grand Slam that wins the big game. That has to be the most exciting thing in baseball. Thank you, Mr. President. Clifford Evans, Washington correspondent, RTO General Broadcasting at the White House. Thank you, sir. Your host for Bridging the Political Gap. I want to thank you first for tuning in to our podcast and invite you to come to our website, RandallWallace.com. There you can get a copy of our book, Always Vote Your Conscience, Don't Take It Personally, and Don't Fight the Same Old Battles Over and Over Again, with a lot of policy suggestions and things that I think everyone can embrace, an argument for why we need to be working together instead of fighting with each other. Also, you can take a look at the first 11 episodes of this podcast which was a podcast documentary that looked at the World War II generation of bipartisan leadership that built the American century and the lessons we can learn from them to apply to today's situations. Again, thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And if you've enjoyed our show, please leave us a review at wherever you get your podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. President Nixon was a huge baseball fan, but he was also a huge football fan. And one of the more famous stories about President Nixon is that he called in a play to George Allen, the head football coach of the Washington Redskins, now Commanders, and uh, and and that Allen actually ran the play, and it didn't go well. But anyway, uh, uh, they had a really good friendship, and I think George Allen, you know, he's really kind of a, an interesting figure in the history of the NFL. Um, for those that don't know him, he, he coached at the Redskins, and later he went to Long Bay State, which was a college out in California. Uh, and then his son became governor of Virginia and was a United States senator uh, back in the 1990s. But uh, just in case you don't know who he is, I'm going to let you hear a little bit about his George Allen's career, and then you get to hear a, a phone call of President Nixon and George Allen talking football. home yesterday at the age of 72. A charismatic figure, Allen never failed to leave his mark. It seemed that wherever he went, success stories followed. 
we got to fire it up. When I went to the Redskins in 1971, I said, if, if we can't compete with Dallas, there's no sense in instrument equipment. We'd be tough with them. We'd be, uh, we'd make statements like, uh, if Roger Staubach wants to run, it's at his own risk. George Allen wasn't afraid to coach anyone. His methods of motivation seemed universally accepted. A lot of cast offs, a bunch of redskins. It wasn't just older players, it was the right type of older player. The veterans we had all had character. They were all uh, football smart. They didn't make mistakes. Allen drove himself as hard as his players. This mindset led him to become chairman of the President's Council for Physical Fitness. See those kids around there? Those guys can barely run a lap. Sometimes I'm running, and I can beat every one of them. Coming out of retirement in the last year to coach struggling Long Beach State, Allen made them a winner. All our players, I told them I'm a little old-fashioned, but I'd like you guys to please take off the earrings. I never had a player that had earrings. And another thing, I'd like you all to have a haircut. And when we go on trips, we're going to wear shirt and tie. In retrospect, Allen's teams, if not always the best, always seemed the best prepared. Three cheers for the 49ers. Hip, hip, hip. Hooray! Hello. Mr. Allen. Mr. President. Well, I suppose the whole town has been toasting you, but I waited a little while to let you know you didn't need me today, so I did. but I watched it on television. I had it. Uh, I had a special wire in here to the White House and got to see it. Everything was important. To beat Dallas, everyone has to 
that come true, you know? Because Dallas, uh, I uh, I was thinking if Martin, on one point there, had the presence of mind that Staubach would have had to run. He would have run, yeah. But uh, thank God he didn't. No, that's right. Well, they, uh, we beat the world champs, and we came from behind twice 13 points. And, that's right. And uh, on national television. Yeah, and those marvelous, those, those two marvelous interceptions. Yeah, <laughs> Gosh, you know, that was something, wasn't it? It, uh, the, it was like New Year's Eve in the dressing room after the game. Right? Well, I bet there you know, this Brown is something else. Isn't oh, it? he was, yeah. he was, he was exhausted and uh, yeah. we yeah. just had to take him out for one plague. He's got a sinus condition. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, then he, he's, he's come back. Yeah. Well, maybe you can put, put knock in there and, and rest him next week. I hope so. Yeah. Who'd you lose? We lost, uh, uh, this hasn't even been announced. I don't think we lost yeah. Malinchik. He's going to have to be operating on either tonight or tomorrow morning. Ooh. And he's a real good special team guy, you know. Oh, I know. He's, he's recovered like, fumbles and everything. Yeah, he's like one of your troubleshooters there that doesn't get right. a lot of publicity. Right. But, oh, I know. He's been fantastic you know, in the early game. Who do you replace him with? You have well, to I trade or what? don't have anyone yet. And the trading deadline is Tuesday, you see. So, uh, so you're getting busy, are you? Yeah, so we got to try to to get someone, but when you're in first place, no one wants to trade with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come up with someone. Yeah, you've got to have, because those special teams, they are so important. Oh, yeah, that, and, and they have such a spirit in those special teams. And uh, uh, gosh darn, I, uh, this, this win today was a uh, well, great thing for the for the area and the, the town. That's right. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you know, here's something that, it certainly, certainly made it must have made all those damn press people. I hope you told them to go to hell. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, as you know, you got to do what you believe. And, I know. And uh, but uh, Clint Murchison, we heard, uh, made the statement that uh, when it was twenty to seven, uh, he made the statement. He said, "Well, it's a good thing that this game is blacked out in the Washington area." See, <laughs> See you know, he owns the Cowboys. Sure, I know. And uh, I know him well. So, uh, <laughs>
it's good to have him do one because, you know, he's sort of second fiddle to Brown all the time. That's right. He, how did he feel after the game? Oh, he was great. He, he, he was just great. He just yeah. Uh, and uh, we told him after the game that uh, this, is, this is the way to live, and this is like yeah. being reborn. You know. Who'd you give the game ball to? We gave one to Sonny, and then we gave one to Larry Brown. He yeah. deserved one. And Not to the defense. And then we gave one to uh, uh, Speedy Duncan. Came up with a big play. And then you mean interception? Yeah. And then yeah. Let's see who got the fourth one. There was oh Lenny Hoss, who was. Hurting. Hurt all week and couldn't practice and then played 60 minutes. We gave him one. Was he blocking as well as usual? No, he had. That probably hurt your middle. I noticed yeah. your, you weren't running very well up the middle. But, exactly. Uh, and you know that block. But he's, but he's, what's that? That block field goal, Mr. President, at the end, that was his man. See that last field goal we attempted? But was that blocked? Yeah, was tipped. I see. Yeah. I yeah, see. Deflected. Well, you didn't need it. What the heck? So, well, as it turned out, we didn't. Uh, well, anyway, if you had gotten it, it's still been a tie if they yeah. scored. What the heck? They're, they're so you just, boy, they got a lot of speed. Oh, boy. That, when that, when, when that, when, uh, Hill dropped that pass oh, in the first quarter, my yeah. God, he, what happened there? You Somebody know, missed a signal you know, or what? It's a play that we've been defense all week in practice. Yeah. And we were making the same mistake. And I remember one day we went over it four times, that same play. And, uh, it's Patios, it's Patios' coverage, you see. And Way back there? Yeah, and where we're in what yeah. we call a combo defense, yeah. and the quarterback had longer to throw. Yeah. So usually he hits him right away, and he had a little longer to throw, and, of course, he'll just... Uh, Is Hill that fast? He runs a 4-7. That's quite an athlete. Very fast. Oh, yeah, I know he is. Yeah. And, uh, well, it was a great game between two very fine teams. I mean, you, you play next week, you may lose. That's them, right. Right? That's right. But uh, I must say, uh, if you had to win one, you want to win the first one, right? Yeah. Well, this is important because we, I thought we had to beat them before Starbuck gets back. How about, yeah, because he'll make it tougher. How about the, uh, uh, how about the Giants next week? You, uh, they're going to be they're, tough. They're going to be tough, but will your, will your fellows be up or pretty or well, down? we got to get them up. We just, we just, now that we're in the driver's seat, we can't let down, you know? All right. And uh, it's only, who, did, who does Dallas play next week? They play, uh, I think they play Detroit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, Detroit may beat them. Boy, that Detroit is a, I, you played him earlier, but I, that Landry, if he is, he's tough, strong, runs well. Right. And they have a terrific defense. Yeah. Well, that, that would help. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they're going to go through the process now of who's going to be their quarterback. See, they're going to have that problem. Now. Yeah, because, yeah, because Staubach's back and so yeah. forth. Well, so, that'll worry him. I must say, uh, though, that uh, Martin was fantastic in the yeah, first half. He was. He's, he's, but then, then Jurgy began to come through, and he didn't have any interceptions, did he? No. We got two and sacked Morton three times. So, yeah. Was Jurgy, he was sacked... Uh, just once. Once. And he, I thought he was hurt then. But well, he got his face cut a little bit, but he's, he's yeah. okay. Huh? He's really come around, Mr. President. He's lost weight. He stopped, <laughs> he stopped drinking. and uh, <laughs> You mean stopped drinking for, for a little while? Huh? Yeah. Good. Well, he should. He should. He's crazy at 38. You know, they can do it when they're younger, but yeah. at 38 years of age, if he drinks, yeah. he's going to finish himself. I think he's, for what he went through last year and this year, he's going to be a better man, you know, because of it. You know? how's, his, how's his attitude? Great. Great. How's Kilmer's attitude? Great attitude. Yeah, he understands it. Yeah, great. And, of course, it's good to have him because if Jerry has been hurt, you could have put Kilmer in there and you wouldn't have lost much because Kilmer's... Kilmer has a certain balance that, right? that the other fellow doesn't have. Exactly. Don't you agree? Exactly. I mean, if you want to play a sure game, right. you better take Kilmer. But uh, on the other hand, uh, he can't make sometimes the very big plays. No. 
But uh, a tell me about one other last thing yeah. on the trading. Uh, you you have any way to get a just one more fast cornerback? Have you? Boy, I'd like to. I uh, gosh, you know, uh, I see some of these a uh, couple of these youngsters that are uh, playing. You know, with that uh, that Green Bay team and so forth. Yeah, you couldn't get one of those, could well, you? I, I tell you, I'd who can you who can you give? Well, uh, if they want. Yeah, I uh, I'd I'd like to get. We need one more football player. See, there's no question about it. We, our guys, we have to give 110 percent to win. See, we're right. well, Dallas has better personnel than we have. You know, I had that impression. And uh, you were just you just put more spirit in in the last right. time. We, you know, if you want it bad enough, sooner or later you're going to get it. That type of an approach. And right. We could use one more. I, uh, I'm going to be on the phone and just call everybody in the league and see what they want to do and uh, and. Uh, well, I know nothing about it except I do feel that the, uh, is is uh, is Pettibone going to be back or not? I hope so. He's 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 he's, uh, he's still he's still slow, but he's awful experienced. Oh yeah, right. He doesn't make mistakes. But you know, if you have one fast cornerback, yeah. that would be something. That's you know, Baltimore's not going any place this year. Why don't they trade you something? Well, we can't trade with the other league. You see? Oh, you're in the other division. Yeah, that's right. yeah. they're in the American, right? Yeah, that's, right. that's a crazy rule we have. We're all that's one. Silly. Yeah, we can't trade with each other. Silly. So, uh, but I'll lay you money. There's a cornerback out there someplace. Some you might even go, you know, for one uh, for a young one. I know yeah. they don't appeal to you, but you know, one right. of them, a right. good fast young guy is what you need, don't you? That's what we need. Yeah, some guy that can keep up with these fellows. Like incidentally, I don't think the uh, Hayes caught a pass, did he? I don't believe he did. Just think of that. He caught one. And Lance Allworth, he had one down there, but uh, it was out of bounds. Out of bounds. Yeah. And he's a great one. Yes, he is. He's a great one. Yeah. But you know, when you stop to think, they had Hayes, they have Allworth, and then they have these uh, sellers, sellers, who's fantastic. Right. And how you could stop these guys or something. Well, I'd uh, well, you just live it up and uh, well, the present time and uh, have a glass of milk and go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) But no more. We we. uh, we have so much to be thankful for, and uh, sure. And but I, you, you, I'll, I'll, what happened? I didn't get this. I had to go take a few calls out of it. But right after the game, did the crowd go wild? Oh, they went. They were. They, the crowd was fantastic. I, when we won the world championship, when I was with the Bears, and the Bears are uh, the Bears crowd are deep rooted. You know, they're old. Oh, I know. And, and they weren't like this crowd today. And, yeah, right. Of course, it was cold that day. It was yeah. It was around. Ten above zero. What the crowd do? They come on the field. Oh, well, they came on the field and uh, they they uh, they just cheering when you're going through the dugout there, just standing ovation. We had, you know, everybody standing mm-hmm. up and giving you an ovation. And, uh, great. And uh, great. Uh, I, I think the crowd today was was worth a field goal. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, good luck. Thank Bye-bye. you, Mr. President. You give them, uh, the, the boys really have done more well, and I, well, and as I say, I, I'll, be, I'll come around when, when you need me. You don't need me yet, uh, well, you got but you gotta take New York for yourself, cause I got a campaign next week. Okay. Uh, you, you handle New York, and I'll, uh, you handle a campaign. I'll try to handle Dallas next time. How's that? Fair deal? That's a deal. <laughs> okay. Bye. Say hello to your family. So that was a, a fascinating phone call to hear a president talking about football. 
before we go, I did want to play a segment of a speech that's coming in a special edition of our show next, but it was when uh, Nebraska won the national championship in 1971, and you will hear the pre- part of this speech as we close the show. It's just an inspirational portion about the importance of sports and competing and and um, and the things that you learn outside of the classroom uh, that, that sports can give you. And I, I thought it was an interesting insight into Richard Nixon, the sports fan. You can all take pride in your great team. It's a splendid thing to be champion. But a more splendid thing, I believe, is the process by which a team becomes champion. The long struggle through defeat, through doubt, and then on to victory. Their satisfaction here, and for all of us, their valuable lessons as well. For as vital as the understanding we gain in the classroom is a deeper understanding of ourselves that comes from competing against others and competing against ourselves. In these endeavors, we go beyond awareness of what we are and we discover a higher understanding of what we can be if we know and have the courage and if we have the will. It is in this way that we learn to believe in our dreams. Nothing matters more to the future of this nation than ensuring that our young men and women learn to believe in themselves and believe in their dreams. And that they develop this capacity, that you develop this capacity, so that you keep it all of your lives. As this great university looks to a new century, so does our nation. In this decade, we Americans will celebrate the anniversary of the greatest experiment in liberty the world has ever known. It has succeeded for what in the year 1976 will be 200 years. But like the continued success of this university, the continued success of the American experiment depends on one thing, on the qualities of heart and mind and spirit that our young people bring to both. This nation will not run on inertia. It could fail in one generation or it can last another hundred years or another thousand years. The answer lies in what you and your generation bring to the task of being an America and what you pass on to others.
Thank you for listening to Bridging the Political Gap. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it. And we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on, on our show. So if you'd like to, please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, thanks again, and so long for now.